You're listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. As I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, it's good to be back. Uh, believe it or not, believe it, I missed y'all. It's a part of my life to come and to offer Mass and to be able to participate in our community as a pastor. If you're not able to do so, it reminds you of some of the blessing God's gift, God gives to you that maybe you, you take for granted. Uh, and so thanks to all who have been so supportive, particularly. Uh, my gosh, it, it's been humbling, uh, quite humbling. Everything from uh, ramps being made at the house to get well cards uh, and emails. Uh, something else I was going to, oh, the meal train. Almost a near occasion of sin, everybody fighting over who can bring a meal. It was great. And so I appreciate all the, all the support. For those of you who, who don't know, I, I kind of a freak accident. Um, I say accident. It was, uh, stepping into my truck at, uh, at 5.15 a.m. as usual on Wednesdays to come here at confessions and just popped. Um, and, uh, no rhyme or reason, nothing I hadn't done thousands of times before. And you know, I was going to mention this yet. three years ago. Three years ago, I said something that might be foolish. Kind of. Three years ago, <clears throat> we were just before the pandemic was really hitting. And we had not shut down, but we had limitations. And I mentioned at one of our masses during Lent, I said, you know, the best penances are the ones that we don't pick for ourselves. So now it's been that year, and then the next year was the shoulder. Some of you might recall, and then last year was COVID and long COVID, quarantine, and now this year a knee. So I'm telling God right now, if he doesn't mind, I will pick my penances from now on. <laughs> but you know, there's a lot to be said for that truth, and it really hits in our gospel reading today and the other readings that support it. In our gospel reading, we hear the story of the transfiguration. And in the transfiguration, what's happening, along with other things, but what's really happening is the apostles who are there are seeing what they could be. They're seeing what they could be. They were going to see Jesus suffer and see him die or know of his death. And they then might get discouraged. So the thought is, seeing the transfiguration, you see the end. You see the end of what... We can be if we follow Christ. And so we take that of following Christ, our first reading, Abram doing as the Lord directed him. In other words, we do as the Lord directs through Christ and his church. But then we have that second reading that really kind of flushes it out. It's a very short reading, but it's got a lot. It's got a lot. And so it begins with an exhortation to bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. So we have to remember, and I'm not trying to make it about me, but when you have a hardship, this is one, that we bear it. That we bear it in the understanding that it is a good penance in God's eyes. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what I'm struggling with, what I'm not struggling with. knows exactly what I may be taking for granted. And so we understand that in the gospel, in the good news, we are to follow Christ. And in the Paschal mystery, it's a full Paschal mystery. 
you can't understand Easter until you really understand Lent. And so we look at the suffering of Christ during this season in order to remind ourselves that we still struggle, we have trials, that we suffer. And that's part of God's design, which is the next line when he says, he saved us and called us to a holy life, not according to our works, but according to his own design. And that's really a shot at what other churches do in the sense of what's called the gospel of prosperity. In other words, if you're good, then God will bless you in a material way. Not only is it false, it's dangerous. It's dangerous because if that's what you believe and you do well, you know, you're following the commandments, you're serving others, you're doing what you do, and then something happens to you, it really kind of breaches the trust that you believe you had with God. Sometimes we want to look and say, I don't want to deal with you. I, I held up my end of the bargain, God. You're not upholding yours. So what Paul is saying is that, remember, we're called to a holy life regardless of where we are. Right now, I'm called to reflect on you know, the blessing or the growth in Christ that can come through this, whether it's humility or many other lessons that I'm reflecting upon. And it's important for us to remember that those things have a redemptive value. That if we use them right, that they can help everybody grow closer to Christ. So you have me, and I have to quote, and I'll offer it up, certainly. It's not great suffering, certainly not compared to so many who I've served. And then try to figure out how is this helping me permanently change to have a relationship with God that's deeper and am able to hopefully live a life more configured to Christ's life. And then it also has the effect of what I mentioned at the beginning. How many of you, how many, were so willing to help and to serve and to love and to make sure that I was okay? You know, it was an opportunity for charity, which oftentimes trials and struggles and sufferings are. So it works for everybody. And so it's according to God's own design. You know, the freak accident... I, um, I would have been mad at myself if I was doing something stupid, you know, but I wasn't ziplining with the youth group, you know what I mean? And so it was just something that happened. So you look at it and you say, okay, that's God's design. I don't like it. I'm not supposed to love it. Jesus didn't like dying on a cross, but it's okay. There's a redemptive value. So you deal with the hardship or the trial or the struggle. And then we look to ourselves, hopefully, to having new life in Christ, that it is the seed. Remember, Jesus didn't come to take away suffering. He came to give us salvation. Suffering is part of salvation. So we look at what St. Paul says at the end of that letter, that through the appearance of our Savior Jesus Christ, who destroyed death and brought life and immortality in light through the gospel. So in this, it is bringing me life. It is bringing you life. It is bringing all of us life. And that's what Lent is all about. Sometimes, I think, us Catholics, even within our community, kind of mock the small penances that the church asks us to do. And, you know, even to the extent, you know, it's, we're in South Louisiana. It's not a hardship to eat meat on Friday. You know? I'm sorry, to eat seafood on Friday. I don't want everybody going out and saying, Father Brady changed the church's rules. <laughs> but in the end, those penances are intended to be tokens. Tokens. Kind of like the penance we do at uh, 
in the confessional. It's not intended to actually repair our sins. Only God can do that. But it is a token of appreciation, a token of a hope for rep reparation in what we're doing. And so in this case, these penances are intended to remind us, to remind us that we shouldn't take things for granted. That everything that we have is a gift from God. And that we are required in our Christian faith to renounce self, to become selfless, and to serve others in love. And in that, we are given new life. The life of Easter. But you can't get to Easter until you get through Lent. And so for us, you know, we're going through this process of remembering, reminding ourselves of the life God has given to us reminding ourselves of the gifts that he has given to us, reminding ourselves that the journey to heaven is walked along the path that may or may not be full of trials and unexpected things and struggles and indeed suffering, but that that's all in God's design for the salvation of all. And that we ourselves are asked to participate in that. So in Lent, we choose our own penance as usual. Last year, the bishop actually dispensed me from any Lenten penances because of the uh, long COVID. It's kind of laughing when he said, oh, you don't have to do anything else. I was like, no, bishop, we'll, we'll be fine. But we ourselves are called to reflect today on the meaning of Lent for us, the importance of Lent for us, and the growth that can come in new life at Easter if we do it well. We honestly look at ourselves. We honestly, and in a rigorous way, examine our lives. Look at the sin that's there and make sure that we do what we need to do to be rid of it so that we can be filled with the grace, the strength that God gives us, as Paul mentions in that second reading, so that we can come to a new person, a transfigured person, a person that dazzles, a person that loves, a person that when we see real love, we all, we all know. We all know. Think of someone like Mother Teresa, right? You didn't have to, you don't have to meet her. You said to see her on TV to know how much she simply loved. And that's our hope, is our capacity to love will grow, and therefore our configuration to Christ will be more complete. So today, as I said, as we move forward in Lent, it's never too late uh, to begin Lent. Uh, I mean, by golly, we had an incredible start between Ash Wednesday and then the daily masses. Good job, good job. Then we had seven or 800 people a couple of times for that midday mass. It's bigger than most Sunday masses. It's fabulous. Let's make sure we keep up the good work. Don't get discouraged. And let's see how we are able to grow in Christ in the coming weeks so that we can truly celebrate Easter in a way that is real, is real in the sense of new life in us. We sing a new song, so to speak, as the Psalms tell us, and we are able then to live in more peace. But really the peace of God.